0: You're listening to a prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sahlain.orgslash support. There is one hadith, my dear brothers and sisters, that's very striking about the ibadah of the Prophet. Too often we forget the side of the Prophet. You know normally when we think of the Prophet, we think of the ev- major events that happened, the migration, the persecution, the battles. Remember the prophets had a, the Prophet had a very important side, the ibadah of the Prophet. And the Prophet's ibadah surpasses any other creation. Normally we know let's say Imam Zain al salam, with his ibadah. The Prophet's ibadah is the greatest ibadah in history. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, one of the companions of the Prophet, and by the way, this hadith is even mentioned in Bukhari. This hadith states that Hudayfa once spent the night with the Prophet. You know how the Prophet spent that night? It's a, it's a very interesting hadith. Of course, is from me, not in Bukhari. The Prophet stood, You Yusalli Salat al-Layl, Ba'd al he got up to pray salatul layl You know how the Prophet would pray Salat layl If we pray it 11 minutes fast, we think we've made a big achievement and it's even burdensome for us. The Prophet prayed Salat layl after Salat al-Ash'a. So Hudayfir says, I went with him. He started his Salat. فَافْتَتَحَ سُورَةَ الْبَقَرَةِ Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. The Prophet started to recite Surat al-Baqarah. How many verses of Surah Al Baqarah? 286. Hudayfa said, I thought in my mind he's going to do sujood at verse 100. Remember, it's an you don't have to complete the full, the full surah. So, I thought to myself, he's going to stop at 100. There's no way he's going to continue the whole surah. He finished it. فَافْتَتَحَ سُورَةَ النِّسَاءِ then he read all of Surat Ali Imran then he read all of Surat Nisa now imagine how many chapters the Prophet is reading standing on his feet in the first Rakah of Salatul Layl then Hudhaifa says لَا يَمُرُّ بَآيَةِ رَحْمَةٍ إِلَّا سَأَلَى اللَّهِ he doesn't just read like that any ayah that contains mercy, he asks Allah, Ya Allah, give me mercy. By the way, in your salah, you can always do a du'a in the middle of your recitation. Did you know that? For instance, you're reciting a surah, right? And it, it's about the fire of hell or the rahmah. You can say, Ya Allah, irhamni. Make a du'a between you, yourself and Allah. When you supplicate in your salah, it does not invalidate your salah. It's if you talk, it invalidates your salah. You talk worldly talk. But if it's a du'a that you make any time, in the ruku' and the sujood between the verses it does not invalidate your salah because that is supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and salah itself is a type of supplication so you can do that the Prophet whenever he would stop at a verse in Salat al-Layl in, re- in the Holy Quran he would ask Allah for Rahma وَلَا بِآيَةِ عَذَابِ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ whenever he would come to a verse about adab, oh Allah protect me from this adab. when you read the Quran do this وَلَا إِلَّا سَبَّحْ if there's a tasbih سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ عَمَّا يصفون, he would say Subhanallah he would interact he feels as if Allah is really talking to him listen to the following now imagine if you read Baqarah Surah Al-Baqarah Ali عِمْرَانِ and Al-Nisa, that's what about a hundred pages in our um, script today that's like one-sixth of the Quran okay the Prophet read those surahs and he's not just reading them fast. He would stop at each verse and ask Allah for Rahmah. How long does that take? Hudayfa says, Thumma raka min Allahu Akbar. Then the Prophet went into ruku'. His ruku' was as long as him standing and reading all these chapters. Let's say if it took two hours, the ruku' took another two hours. Can you imagine? This was the Salatul Layl of the Prophet on some nights ثُمَّ قَامَ فَكَانَ قِيَامُهُ قَرِيبًا مِنْ ركوعه. ثُمَّ سَجَدَ فَكَانَ سُجُودُهُ قَرِيبًا مِنْ قِيَامِهِ وركوعه. His ruku' and his sujood is very long it took a long time then he did the same thing in the second rak'ah. then Hudayfa says I estimated ما يُقَارِ بِالسِتْ sa'at أو سَبْعِ sa'at. he says my estimate that just two rak'ahs of this salat till late, it took the Prophet six to seven hours and this was during the days when the Prophet was hungry and he was poor he barely had anything and during the day, the Prophet didn't sleep somebody, if, today if I do this, I'll fall in my bed the next day 12 hours <laughs> <laughs> not Rasulullah sallallahu no the next day he had a day, full day of jihad. ومع الزُّوْدِ ومع الدعوة إِلَى اللَّهِ ومع تربية الْأَطْفَالِ says. He has a family. He has a family. He has grandchildren now. He wants to be a role model for them. ومع شُؤُونِ الْبَيْتِ The house affairs. The Prophet would help out in the house. سِتْ أَوْ سَبْعِ سَاعَاتِ وَهُوَ يَتَبَتَّلِ Allah. six to seven hours he's just standing his feet would crack when you stand on your feet for so much it swells and cracks and then in this hadith Aisha would tell him Ya Rasulullah why are you doing this to yourself when Allah has forgiven you he would just say one word as we mentioned last time I just want to show my appreciation to Allah. I want to show my thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes, sometimes ask those, by the way, if you really want to understand this, sometimes it's helpful to talk to people who are in love severely. You know, severe, crazy love? It kind of sheds light on some of this, even though it's different, of course. Ask someone who's severely in love. They'll tell you, that sometimes I'm willing to deliberately go through difficulty for my loved one just to show that person how much I love him. I could get a job done the easy route. Sometimes I'll take the hard route. Just to show that person how much I worked hard for you. Ask people in love, they'll tell you that. I know you might think this is crazy, does it make sense? But no, people who are in love, this makes sense to them. The Prophet stands on his feet just to express his love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a glimpse of how the Prophet would pray sometimes at night, in difficulty, in near starvation, that's how he would pray. But it is the salah my dear brothers and sisters that gave energy to the Prophet. It's the salah and specifically the power of sujood. You know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah al Hijr, verses 97 to 98, Allah teaches the Prophet what to do when he's depressed when you're depressed what do you do? <laughs> you cry yes but if people are saying ill things about you they're attacking you launching verbal accusations what do you do? you want to fight back this is what Allah teaches his greatest messenger Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in Surah Al-Hijr verse 97 and we know that your chest becomes tight what does that mean your chest becomes tight? you feel depressed, you're hurt يقولون, because of what they say so what do you do, go kill them? no say Subhana A'la wa Subhana Rabbi wa I glorify Allah and I thank Allah with His praise وَكُنْ مِنَ sajidin? glorify Allah and fall into sujood رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ اليقين. And worship Allah until the yaqeen comes to you. This is the recipe that Allah gave to the Prophet. This is how he made it during those difficult days. Remember the persecution in Mecca? The Prophet for so many hours, he'd be prostrating by himself in Masjid al Haram hurting no one, just prostrating. Abu Jahl would come, he would slander the Prophet. They would bring the intestines of of the camel that was just slaughtered and they would basically contaminate his clothes. Sometimes he would push the Prophet, harass the Prophet. How did the Prophet stay strong? It was through the power of the sujood. Through ibadah, through the night prayer specifically, the Prophet was able to withstand those challenges and this is a lesson for us. As one marja, you know, Um, would say he went through a lot of difficulties. Many people gave him a hard time. He was really oppressed. So one of his relatives saw him at night in the middle of the night, praying and crying. He told him, what are you doing? What's bothering you? He said, "I'm I'm striking them with the arrows of the night. I don't have an army that can defend me. I don't have a worldly power position to defend me but I have the ibadah at night through this ibadah I am asking Allah to protect me from the evil ones this is what we learned from the Prophet so remember the night prayer and the Prophet sallallahu let's talk a little bit about that because we gave you a glimpse of sometimes how you would pray the night prayer according to the testimony of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman there is a verse in Surah Al-Isra, verse 79 in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Prophet sallallahu to spend the night in worship and from the night engage in what is called tahajjud what does tahajjud mean? tahajjud comes from the word hujud. Hujud in Arabic means what? Sleeping, no sleeping is called hujud, so if you bring it in its basic form in Arabic it means sleeping but when you put it in taf'ul form, when you say tahajjud, taf'ul, it means fighting sleep, (laughs) to fight sleep, to avoid sleep, to stay awake, so tahajjud means what? linguistically fighting sleep. You keep yourself awake. Now in our Islamic literature, tahajjud specifically refers to ibadah at night. When you're awake not watching Netflix, no that's not tahajjud. Even though linguistically it is, you're fighting sleep. (laughs) But that's not what it means. Tahajjud in our Islamic literature means to engage in supplication and in prayer and Quran. So the Holy Quran says, وَمِنَ From the night, tahajjud. Do tahajjud, fight ward off sleep, Bihi with it, what's it? Not salah, even though he's doing the salah, but directly what's the uh, pronoun referring to? Do tahajjud with what? Quran, وَتَهَجَّدْ Qur'an? بِالْقُرْآنِ وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ At night, fight off sleep, stay awake with the Holy Quran, recite the Holy Quran. Nafilatan Lek, what does nafila mean linguistically, extra, anything that's extra, additional, ziyadah, we call it nafilah. Lek for you. Scholars have understood from this Lek for you and also other hadiths that Salatul Layl and the Tahajjud was wajib on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi For all other Muslims, Salatul Layl is mustahab. There's one exception in history there's one man in history upon whom salat al-layl was mandatory to observe and that is who prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi he had to observe salat al-layl it was wajib on him just like the daily prayers it was not optional for him allah commanded him in this verse that you uphold the night prayer so it's what it was wajib on rasulullah yes is it also wajib on you? No, it was not wajib on the imam. They of course never skipped it, but it was not wajib on them. We understand from the Quran and the tafsir of these verses that it was only wajib on the Prophet, not the Imams. It was highly mustahab for them, but it was not mandatory. So this is a hukum that's specific to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yes. I know a guy who is really religious and he's from Iraq actually. And he told me about three years ago, he said, going back to Imam Jafar or something, and he said salat al-layl is wajib on everyone, but I mean, scholars don't say it, because he prays it every day. And I said, no, well, mostly I pray on Thursday nights and during Ramadan every day. And he said, no, you know, once you get used to doing it every day, it becomes wajib on you. Is that no, you? no, Islamically, from a legal fiqh perspective, it's not wajib. It's highly, highly, highly recommended, but not wajib. No, even if you've been praying it 10 years, it doesn't mean now it's wajib on you. So no, that's not true. So the Prophet ﷺ, it was wajib for him to spend a portion of the night in ibadah and specifically pray the night prayer. And the Prophet would say, Mazala Jibril yusini biqiyam al every single night, would tell me about Salat al-Layl, to the point where I got the impression from Jibrail constantly telling me about Salatul Layl, I got the impression that the good people of my Ummah don't sleep. What does that mean? That means the Prophet says, when I heard Jibrail talking about Salatul Layl so much, I got the impression that if you're a good follower of my Ummah you have to pray Salat al Not that it's wajib, but it's a feature of the true believers. And then Al-Imam sadiq salam, in one hadith, he states, there is no deed that you do except that it has a specific reward. You could put a value of it. Except Salat al The only exception is Salat al Allah does not tell us what? He's given us for layl, And here's the evidence, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the believers The beds of the believers, look at this description, their beds pull them. Have you seen especially in the winter, it's kind of cold, you can't get out of bed. It's like there's this magnetic force pulling you towards your bed the believers know they struggle and they get up from their bed خوفا وطمعا out of fear and out of desire to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they also give zakat فلا تعلم نفس ما اخفي لهم من قرة عين. no soul knows what Allah has prepared for them see Allah does not give us the reward of salat al-layl even even the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he prayed salat layl Allah subhanahu wa taala did not say exactly what He'll give him. Allah said, "I'll give you al-maqam al-mahmud." al-layl rabbuka Ya Rasulullah, pray salat al-layl. I'll give you the praised position, maqam al-mahmud. What's maqam al-mahmud? Allah does not specify what it is. We know that this status that Allah will give the Prophet is something everyone in history, from angels to humans, will praise. The, basically, they will be bewildered at that amazing position. We don't know exactly what the Prophet will give, uh, Allah will give the Prophet, but Al Imam Al Sadiq, a.s., in one hadith, he says, Maqam al Mahmud is the power of Shafa'a. Because the greatest honor that Allah will give Prophet Muhammad ﷺ on the day of judgment is shafa'ah. He can intercede on behalf of whomever he wants. Look how much trust and authority Allah has given him. Isn't that big? On behalf of God, on the day of judgment, you forgive people. You do shafa'ah for people. That's the biggest position, seriously. Show me, an, can you conceptualize an honor greater than that? Allah is the king of that day Maliki Yawm al the owner and the king of that day He rules everything He's assigned a human being He says you're in charge today It's your Shafa'ah here that flies and counts Is there an honor greater than that? Subhanallah Imagine just people looking at Rasulullah Everyone on the Day of Judgment even Prophets they will look at the Prophet Ya Rasulullah do Shafa'ah for us and if you remember in our Islamic beliefs course about Shafa'a, we mentioned a fundamental point in which Imam Al-Baqir or Imam Al-Sadiq says every human on the day of judgment, even the Prophets, even us the Imams, we need the Shafa'a of the Prophet, even the sinless ones, why? Why if you're sinless you still need Shafa'a? You don't have sin so he's, he's not interceding for the sins to be forgiven because you're sinless, But you still need his Shafa'ah to go higher, okay that's one way. Exactly, heaven is infinite. What did you do to deserve infinity? Even if you're Prophet Nuh and you spent 2,000 years guiding people, but it's 2,000 years, it's limited. In return Allah is giving you an infinite reward what did you do to deserve that infinite reward Nothing. you didn't do anything to deserve infinite reward the most thing Allah will tell prophet Noah, okay two thousand years you suffered yeah Allah I'll give you two thousand years in heaven and then it's over why should it continue for eternity you need shafa'a you need an, an advocate to get you in heaven for eternity that's the shafa'a of the prophet now I remember when we had that class someone told me asked me this question What about the Prophet himself? Who's putting him in infinity? With whose shafa'ah? I don't know the answer to that one. (laughs) It's a good question. That's Allah. Allah's shafa'ah. He's the best creation of Allah. Allah intercedes on his behalf. And that's why the Prophet would say, Oh Allah, if I go to heaven, it's not because I earned it. Even the Prophet would say that. But it's because of your mercy and fadl. Because of your favor that I go to heaven. Otherwise, I don't even deserve heaven. See, if the world ended and there was no heaven, we still couldn't complain. Allah created me. He gave me blessings. The oxygen that I breathe, the water that I drank. Allah gave me blessings. He allowed me to experience what life is and that's it. Allah's not obligated to give me anything more than that. He's not obligated. But Allah, out of mercy, He does. Jesus and and all those prophets before Prophet Muhammad will they be with him like on the gates of heaven and all that? yes they will walk behind him he will intercede for them everyone from Adam until all the last prophets they will walk behind him after him and his Ummah they will walk behind him and go to heaven yes so he leads the way remember we talked about in Islamic beliefs Luwa Al Hamd Liwa al-Hamd is the biggest banner on the Day of Judgment. It's bigger than the whole planet. It's a huge banner under the Arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the banner of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu He gives it to Imam Ali. He tells Imam Ali, lead the way. And then, interestingly, by the way, Imam Ali understands that he enters first into heaven because he's carrying the banner. He tells him, Ya Rasulullah. You know, I enter before you, (laughs) you're the messenger of Allah, I enter before you. The Prophet basically tells him, when there is a commander of an army and there is a carrier of the banner, when they go somewhere, the carrier of the banner enters first, then the commander goes. Basically, tell him, yes, you're carrying my banner, so you go first and we're walking in this group. Doesn't mean that that Imam Ali is better than the Prophet. No, but he's carrying the banner of the Prophet. So he has to enter so everyone can see the banner and enter. (laughs) Subhanallah. Yeah, that's why I'm clarifying. This does not mean Imam Ali is better. No, the Prophet is much higher. It's the Prophet's banner. But technically, technically he enters first. (laughs) Yes, we have hadiths, by the way. We, and, and, and you know we're not embarrassed to say this. We have hadiths that Imam Ali Alayhi Lady Fatima, the Prophet asked them enter before me. He sees them enter, then he enters. To show those who oppress them on the Day of Judgment what status they have, well the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.